You are listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family. I'm Edward Looney. When you begin your search for family through the autosomal DNA test kits, as you log into your account and make your way through the different matches you have, you might become very stressed. Maybe there's a little sadness because you haven't found who it is or what it is that you're looking for. If you find yourself in that situation, might I recommend Magic Mind? It's an all-natural supplement that can be added to your coffee or water, and it will help you in so many different ways. It has natural ingredients like matcha, for example, and matcha helps to boost your energy. Other things that it will help you do is it will help you to relax. Maybe you're stressed out from the search. It will keep you focused. Maybe you've become distracted, going down rabbit holes. It will make you feel happy vibes for the moments to counteract maybe disappointment. Magic Mind is a wonderful supplement that can help you to de-stress and to find joy naturally. You can head over to magicmind.com slash dnadisco and use the code dnadisco20 to save at checkout. A special thanks to all those who help share the DNA Discoveries podcast with their family and friends. For those who leave comments and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. A special thanks to a review left on August 17th that said, I've listened to almost every podcast about DNA discoveries since learning about mine. It has been so therapeutic for me. Thank you. And so I thank you for listening to the podcast, for taking time to leave a review. And if you leave a review over at Apple Podcasts, you'll be helping me to reach an even greater audience. I also rely on so many people to share their stories. And if you have a story of a DNA discovery, I invite you to reach out to me. Send me an email at dnadiscoveriespodcast at gmail.com or head over to dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm and use the contact form and share a little bit of your story with me. I'll reach out and schedule a time to record an episode with you. Without people coming forward, these episodes can't be released. I need your help and the help of this DNA Discoveries community to continue to share our stories with one another. And today on DNA Discoveries, I'm happy to be speaking with another individual who has written a memoir. So there are lots of books that are coming out. People are sharing their stories about finding family as part of their own story. And so today I am speaking with Robin Shepper. For more than 30 years, she served at the highest levels of American politics and government. She worked on four presidential campaigns and in the Clinton White House. She was a staff director for the Senate Democratic Technology and Communications Committee under Senator Tom Daschle and served in the Obama White House as the first executive director of Michelle Obama's anti-obesity initiative, Let's Move. And a part of her story of her own life is trying to identify who her biological father was. And so that's the story she's going to share today on DNA Discoveries. So thanks so much, Robin, for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Edward. Happy to be here. And maybe just to start out, your book uh, is called uh, Finding My Way. 
uh, a memoir of family, identity, and political ambition. So it's kind of your life story. The cover has a little girl. Is that little girl you? Yeah, that's me holding an airplane, kind of the, the precursor to my, my global lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. So so this is kind of like your own autobiography, you telling your story. And uh, these are books that I thoroughly enjoy. So whenever one comes across my email or my desk, I'm happy to entertain it, to then dialogue as well uh, with the individual for, for the podcast. So um, maybe why don't you first paint for us a picture of your family life and kind of all of the background that we should know before we kind of jump into the story of finding your father. Yeah, well, that there's there's a lot of background. So um, the picture that's in the front of the book, um, you see the bottom half of my mother, who was very glamorous and elegant. Uh, she was a Pan Am stewardess in the late fifties and the sixties. Uh, I was born in sixty three. And so I was raised by my mom, a single, um, a single mom and my grandmother who was an immigrant, um, from, from Germany. Uh, so my mom back in those days, uh, I say stewardess and not flight attendant because back in those days, you were not allowed to be married. You could not have children and, um, uh, you had to, um, you had to do weigh-ins every week. You were kind of like glamorous women in the sky. Uh, but when my mom uh, started gaining weight because she was pregnant, uh, she got um, she started working at the ticket counter and uh, she was based out of California and San Francisco and um, and did the Asia route. So she traveled to um, to uh, Manila and the Philippines and Tokyo and uh, all, Macau and Hong Kong. So just very glamorous life. Uh, but after she had me, she decided to go back to New York where uh, she grew up and where my grandmother was. So I was pretty much raised by my single mom who still worked for the airlines. Um, that picture is actually taken at JFK Airport. Um, by then, she was working for Air France at the counter. She spoke German, French, and English. Um, and then um, and then my grandmother um, uh, lived in the city. So, uh, yeah, so it was just an unusual childhood um, growing up um, back then. Uh, now it's pretty normal to have single moms and not be married. But back in the early 60s, especially if you're Catholic, that's not something that you would do. So I just grew up with a lot of shame about my birth. I was told that I was a bastard kid because that was the nomenclature in the Catholic Church if you were an unwed mother and had a child. Um, so there was a lot of stuff. And then my mother met my my stepfather, um, when I was about five and she asked me to lie and say that he was my biological father, which was just very challenging for me, um, to lie all the time. He didn't live with us, but, um, he lived all around the world. Um, uh, he worked for the foreign commercial service. So, um, so just kind of grew up in just a challenging, um, childhood. And, and then my grandmother had a, had a, um, colorful business so uh yeah so um so just like you know i part of the reason i wrote the book is when i tell stories people are like oh my god this is so unusual so um single mom in the 60s stewardess and uh, my mom my grandmother essentially ran a upscale massage business that provided other services and i grew up without a dad so um so that's kind of my that's the the preface of the story quite the background there and 
I guess one of the things I'm thinking of is in the book, what came out was that there was a lot of tension between your mom and your grandma. And what was behind that tension? Why do you think your mom really didn't like your grandmother? Because there were times that your grandmother called the cops on your mom, and so they would investigate abuse or whatever. So, So what was the cause behind all of that? Well, you know, I don't know exactly. I just had to, um, it's kind of interesting when you grow up in uh, families that there are a lot of secrets, you kind of just have to guess or you see a lot of clues and you say, aha, (laughs) you try to figure this out. So for my grandmother, um, over time, I figured out that she had been abused by her father, um, sexually abused by her father and um, some of her older brothers. She was one of 11 um, so she came to the United States when she was 16 and I think she was just trying to get out of an abusive situation. Um, but when, um, by the time I was old enough to, you know, remember things, uh, she, my, she was a, uh, a widow and, um, she had boyfriends. She was really dynamic and funny and lively. Um, and, uh, every boyfriend she accused of sleeping, sleeping with their daughters, um, uh, so, you know, I just started doing later in, in life, I started, I mean, I didn't know that then, but I figured it out that usually, um, somebody's not going to mention something as egregious as that if they haven't experienced it themselves. So, um, so, so I think what happened was a couple things that my grandmother probably thought that her husband was sleeping with their daughter, my mother. Um, and I think that created a lot of tension. Um, but also, um, when my grandmother called the cops on my mother, I, I looked more like my grandmother than my mother. Um, uh, a, a therapist told me years ago that there's this term called transference. So, um, her supposition was that, um, maybe she was reliving her youth of the abuse of her youth, um, through me. And she sincerely thought I was being abused, even though I was not. So that, that, and, and so it's hard, you know, for my mom um, being accused of child abuse, which she never did. She never laid a hand on me. Um, uh, and, um, you know, I think it was really hard for my mom and hard to forgive. Yeah. Did they ever reconcile? And in, in the story of your book, Finding My Way, a memoir of family identity and political ambition, you do share about the moment when your grandmother is passing away and kind of the care that you gave her at the end of her life. So what was the relationship of mom and grandma at that point? Uh, Non-existent. I forced my mother to come to New York to help me take care of them, but my mother by that time just had had enough of my grandmother and they didn't really have a relationship yeah, and there was a lot of grief for you over the death of your own grandmother then because you were close to her, right? Yeah, she was, you know, as much as, um, you know, she had abuse, um, she she really let me be a child. Um, you know, what happens often uh, in single family, you know, single parent households is that kids take on responsibilities that are beyond their emotional maturity. So I learned how to cook in the second grade. Um, I was going to the, I mean, it was kind of a joke at my local grocery store because I did all the shopping. We had a budget of $25 a week. 
Um, and you know, all the clerks that knew me at the local grocery store down my street on 79th street. Um, so I was very responsible at a very young age. So I would cook every night for dinner. My mom did the cleaning up, but I did, she wasn't a very good cook and she worked and she'd come home at six and I was starving. And then we had a dog and I walked the dog three times a day and um, cleaned my room. So when my, when I would spend time with my grandmother, when she would come take me in the summer, it's because my mother worked um, and take me to her relatives in Germany. Um, it was the only time I got to be a kid. Um, and then my mother, she valued my, for lack of a better word, my potential for beauty. Um, and that, you know, the only thing that my mother wanted was for me to marry a, a rich man. Um, but my grandmother valued my brain um, and would always say, you know, you're so smart. You need to go to college and you should be a lawyer. Uh, you know, I think you could go to law school. And so I just valued that my grandmother saw me not just as a, an object um, and, and my mother like never valued my brain. And so that was just hard. One of the things you mentioned a while ago in our conversation was that your mother wanted people to believe that your stepfather was your biological father. And so ultimately that means that she wanted you to lie because he wasn't your biological father. She knew that. He knew that. You knew that. Was there ever a point in that when you would have to say that, that you began to believe he was actually your biological father? Did you ever come to that point to think, well, maybe I've said this enough and I've been told this enough that maybe it is actually true? No, never. I mean, I just, I, it was just a thing that, I mean, I knew, I mean, I introduced them <laughs> at a pool in Miami where there's a chapter in the boot. So, you know, uh, yeah, so I never thought that. And it just, it actually made me physically ill to lie. I mean, I, I loved him and I still love him. Um, you know, he's been a father figure in my life, but I just, I just couldn't do it. And, and one of the worst things, um, I I've heard now in this, in this community of DNA, you know, discovering DNA, this terminology birth certificate father. Um, so my stepfather adopted me in my thirties and I have, I've written about this, um, um, uh, and in an ado adoption process, um, they, my birth certificate changed and now he is on my birth certificate, my stepfather, as you know, it looks like, you know, 200 years from now, if somebody looked at my birth certificate, they would think he's my biological father. And it just irks me so much that, um, that you're changing history, but no, I never thought that at all. So, um, because I was just, I was five when they met. So it was just, no, I, I just, I hated the lying. And as you were growing up, everybody wants to grow up with a mom and a dad. And actually for myself, I actually grew up in a, a single parent household. It was my mother. She worked two jobs. My grandmother lived in the home. My grandmother really primarily raised me, I would say. So there's always this longing that you want to have a father. And that was very evident that you wanted a father figure in your life or that you wanted a father who loved you and was involved. So did you ever have that uh, in your childhood growing up? What Did that stepfather fill that role or were you looking beyond him for, for more definitive fatherhood in that sense? You know, I've had conversations with my stepbrother about this as well. So um, my step, my stepfather's son. Um, 
you know, he was a father figure, but he traveled a ton. He would be gone for like a year at a time. So no, I don't, I, I felt a hole. And um, I think about people, you know, being raised now in that, I mean, everybody's got different circumstances, but just having somebody in your life that, that is actually there. But, uh, you know, my mom, um, again, did not value my brain. So, um, you know, I wanted somebody that I could have discussions about things I was reading about in school. And I got, I got a scholarship to a great high school and sometimes would need help, but didn't have the money for a tutor. And so I just envisioned like, oh, I had a smart dad that I could talk to. And just my stepfather wasn't it, mainly because he wasn't there. So there'd be a father-daughter dance or, um, or you know, I would want advice. He was a really, he's a really smart man, but he just wasn't around. Um, so that just was a, a, a big hole in, in my life. Being a podcaster, I need help sometimes, especially when it comes to energy. I've often relied on caffeine and soda and coffee and espressos. But there's natural remedies to give me more energy. And another quality I need as a podcaster, I need creativity. And I need to have a good memory and recall as I'm having conversations with our guests. There's a product out there that has been helping me with more energy, with more creativity, and with my memory recall. And it is Magic Mind. Not only has it done all those things, but it has boosted my energy and also has helped me to relax after a stressful day. Keeps me focused on what I'm working on, and it gives me a little bit more joy, I've noticed, in my life. Magic Mind is a very simple product that you can take alongside your coffee or a glass of water, and you can begin to experience the same benefits that I have. It is all natural. All natural ingredients, so you don't have to worry about what's in it. If you would like to give Magic Mind a try, head on over to magicmind.com slash DNADisco and use the code DNADisco20 at checkout and you'll save on your first purchase of Magic Mind. It's made a difference in my life and it can in yours too. And in this search for a father... There are other names that begin to come to your attention. So how did you come across some of those names? And uh, maybe in the end, how many names or individuals did you believe were your father before you actually figured out who your father was? Uh, three. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the first one is um, the birth certificate dad. The first birth certificate dad was... Um, this name uh, ro named Robert, and um, I didn't see my birth certificate when I was a kid, but my mother always told me she's, you know, I would, I wasn't allowed to talk about it, you know, Catholic family, and then the, um, there was my stepdad, so my mom would say, you know, why do you keep asking these questions? I told you before, stop asking me. So she just said to me, um, I had an affair with a married man. I loved him very much. I got pregnant. I hoped that he would leave his wife. He didn't. And, um, you know, you were born and that, and that was it. And so that's the story, you know, don't ask me again. So I would, so I didn't, you know, maybe I asked maybe two or three times as a youth until I was 19. And then, so that's number one, Robert, 
then I'm in college. Um, I went to UC Santa Cruz and I was applying to do a junior year abroad when I was a sophomore to go live in France for a year. And my grandmother happened to be visiting and I needed my birth certificate and I had called San Francisco County, got my birth certificate and um, Robert was on it. And so I, um, I had the birth certificate laying around with all this other paperwork that I needed to get my visa to live in France for a year. And my grandmother sees it and says, what's his, what's his name doing on your birth certificate? And I said, what do you mean? And I said, that's my biological father. She goes, no, he's, no, he's not. Ray is your biological father. I'm like, who is Ray? And she's like, Ray is your, is your dad. You know, he's a Bavarian that your mom had an affair with. And I was like, oh my God. So uh, my, my mom and my stepdad were living in Moscow at the time. And so there was a number I could call. Um, this is in the pre-Gorbachev uh, uh, when there was still the, the, the wall. Um, uh, so I could call this military number and I got to talk to my mom and, um, I told her the story that my grandmother and I said, you know, is grandma lying to me? You know, she's telling me this guy named Ray is my dad and not Robert. And my mother said, you know, um, grandma's right. I was already three months pregnant when I met Robert and I wanted to convince him that, um, you were his child, but actually raise your dad. So that was very deflating. I was really upset with my mother that she had lied on all these documents. And um, like two, three weeks later, I got a letter from uh, my stepdad with Ray's address in Southern California. And I sent a letter um, and then I got a letter back from his wife that said, uh, you know, dear Robin, I'm sure you're a nice young lady. Um, Ray is not your father. Uh, don't ever contact us again. So that was kind of deflating. So I just kind of forgot about it. I just kept living my life. Yeah, when you found out Ray was your biological father from your grandmother, there was a sense of urgency that you didn't want to wait. You wanted to send out that letter right away. And then you get that response. And there are other people out there who kind of find their biological father and then they send or make contact and they're met with great resistance. They want nothing to do with you. And so that kind of sets you back on your search. But for you then, this wasn't the end of the story because you actually no. do discover who your biological father is. You do uh, some DNA testing. Is that right? Is that the next stage that you enter into? Yeah, exactly. So um, later on, I, um, well, there was an in-between stage, if I can just tell you the story, because it's so, uh, just kind of is the convoluted lies. So years later, um, I get epilepsy and seizures. And so um, uh, my first husband uh, says, you know, we got to find your dad, we got to find out because nobody could figure out why I have seizures. So we tried again to find Ray and uh, contacted him through a detective actually but um was not i didn't hear anything um and i was just trying to find out like i don't want a relationship i don't want anything i just want to know like do you have epilepsy in your family um and then uh like six years later i get a death notice and then the same woman that wrote me the letter that he's not my dad she uh she writes a letter and says hey um you know, Ray died. So I go down there and I'm really hopeful that she's going to finally tell me the truth. I mean, this is so much later. I'm by the time that time I'm in my mid thirties. So it's, you know, like 15 years later. 
And I open, you know, I knock on her door and she opens the door and she's like, oh my God, you're all grown up. And I was like, you've met me before. She goes, oh yeah, during the um, child support hearings. So she tells me the story that my grandmother sued Ray to pay child support. And back in those days, um, I don't know if any of your guests have talked about that people used um, blood types, you know, to figure out um, whether paternal, um, you know, paternity um, and he didn't have the same blood type. So I kind of left there thinking, I don't think he's my dad. Cause she was just telling me, I spent the day with her and she told stories, but then I just didn't know who it could be. So, but then I decided, you know what? Um, I just, I'm in the middle of a divorce. I gotta, I'm gonna focus on my future and not think about the past. Um, so that's a little sidebar of answering your question. Sorry about that, but there's a little context. And so I just didn't think about it. So later on, um, years later, um, my, um, my, my second husband and I adopted two kids. And so we like to say we're a family of nobody's related by DNA. Um, and so when all the consumer DNA came out, we said, oh, what the hell? Let's, let's all do it. So we did both Ancestry and 23andMe for all four of us um, and, and found out lots of interesting things. And in 2019, on, the pla you know, on one of the platforms, I get a notice that says, hey, uh, it says we have, I can't remember if it was 16 or 18% DNA, which means we, you know, we're, we're supposed to be first cousins, but I, don't, I, I can't figure out why. So then I, I emailed Badock on the platform and I just said, I told him my story. I said I was born in 63 in San Francisco. My mom was a stewardess. Um, maybe one of your male relatives is my biological dad. And then within 24 hours, I get the email back. Oh, my God, your Uncle Jack's daughter. And that feeling of not even looking anymore, I'd just given up hope that I would never find my biological father, um, was, just, was just amazing. Like, I just, um, I just started crying that, that this, this search that I've had forever was finally coming to an end. So you have a name now. His name is Jack. You've yep. made contact with a cousin on that side of the family. Where do you go from yep. there? Do you get together with them? Do you meet them? Do you learn more about Jack from them? Yeah, it was. So my cousin, Susan, she is so kind and she has been so wonderful through the process. So her mother, um, so J Jack was her mother's brother and she didn't grow up with any cousins because Jack never had any kids. So she was so excited to have a first cousin. Um, and so we did a, we did a zoom call cause this is all like, um, it's 2019. Um, uh, and then, you know, with, uh, everything going on. So we had a, a zoom call and then we, um, we met, we decided to meet, in San Diego where he's from and her daughter came because her daughter was the, the kind of genealogy person in the family. And so I got to meet um, dear friends of Jack's got to see his house that he had lived in San Diego. And the, and the hardest part was he had died just one year before. Um, so we, we um, so that was very sad in that um, I did not get, get to meet Jack. Um, but I got to see his home, see his business, um, uh, meet, uh, family members, um, and just feel, 
uh, feel like I belong to the other half. And when I read his obituary, I knew he was my dad because it was just so weird. I'm not like my mother. And when I read the obituary, I was like, it answered so many questions. I thought, oh my God, I now I know why I am the way I am. And then when they sent the pictures, um, some of the, the pictures that they sent were him in his 20s. And if you put those pictures next to me in my 20s, we look like we could be brothers and sisters. And when I met people, they were looking at me like, oh, my God, you're the same jawline. You have the same eyes. And it, it is just um, it is so apparent um, that I'm his daughter. Uh, and then you got together with them. You had some sort yes. of maybe dinner or social gathering, whatever it was. Yeah. And you're at table and you order an Arnold Palmer, and maybe you had yes. some ice cream. And they were yes. just kind of dumbfounded because that's exactly what Jack would have ordered. So you had, yes, exactly. without even knowing, uh, kind of these same preferences that he yeah. himself had. Yeah, and the same thing is um, I don't drink coffee, and neither did, uh, neither did he. It was just, it was just so weird. Um, so because, you know, when you raise kids, you think a lot about nature versus nurture. And, you know, how, how, did, how did that happen? I never met the man. You know, what's that DNA imprint? Um, so uh, it, it just feels so good to belong and to have that question answered. And is there an ongoing relationship with them today? So, you know, we're in the month of November as we're recording this. So. Uh, there's going to be Thanksgiving, there's Christmas. Is there any contact, any communication or gathering uh, for the holidays that you do with them now? Uh, we don't do a gathering for the holidays, but, um, uh, you know, in writing the book, um, both my, my, my first cousin Susan and her daughter, when uh, there was an event at a bookstore in Denver, um, they came. Um, and then uh, my first cousin lives in the Midwest, and so... Um, we have driven by our house um, when I've driven with my son uh, to college in Maine. Uh, we've stayed at their house. So, uh, you know, we don't talk all the time. I haven't met every family member um, and mainly keep in touch with Susan and her daughter. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're friends on Facebook and we uh, talk every couple of months and, you know, on birthdays, reach out and the holidays. And so, um, you know, what's interesting uh, when you find your DNA family, you don't have a history of a, of a, you know, of having a relationship with someone. So you really have to put in the effort. So, um, so we, you know, we try to, we try to keep in touch with that. And so it's been so lovely and, um, I'm just sad. I never met, got to meet Jack. Now I'm guessing that your mother is still alive. And so you find out Jack is your father you learn about him, so you're able to fill her in and say, you know, Mom, I found out my biological father is Jack. Do you remember Jack? Do you know Jack? And does she remember him? Does this fill in some lacuna of memory for her, or uh, does she kind of still remain in a state of denial? <laughs> well, that's a funny question. I was on vacation with my mom, which doesn't happen often, but uh, it was a request of my 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 stepfather's originally from sweden and so he had asked to take my mom back to scandinavia so we we're on this um cruise 
and I didn't want to ruin it um, at the beginning because I didn't know how she was going to take it. Because again, talking about my dad is not something that she likes to talk about. So, but ironically, my mom's favorite movie is a movie about three dads, Mamma Mia. So we watched the film Mamma Mia and my mom's oblivious that, you know, maybe it could affect me. Um, totally oblivious. So uh, it's the last night of our trip. And I say, mom, remember the scene in Mamma Mia where the three dads are there about, to, you know, they're all kind of fighting of who's going to give away the daughter at the, mar at the wedding. Um, and she says, mom, I don't care who my dad is. I love you. And she says, yeah. And I said, so mom, I don't care who my dad is. I love you. And she's like, yes. And I said, so I found my dad. And she's like, yeah, Ray. And I said, no, Jack. And she said, what? And so I said his name and she's like, I don't know it, Jack. What are you talking about? And uh, she's like, no, raise your dad. What are you talking about? So she didn't, she doesn't really understand the whole DNA thing. So I was trying to explain DNA and DNA strands and how a certain percentage means a certain family member and that I'd met Susan and all this kind of stuff. And she's like dumbfounded. And she has a joke with me, like, you know, you and your research, Robin, always something. Um, and so I give her um, his obituary and we're leaving the next day to go back to the United States. And in the morning um, she reads it and she says, well, Jack seems like he was a very nice man. I said, yes, all accounts. He seems, you know, like a really nice man. And she says, well, did he have a boat? And I said, yes, he actually was a Commodore at the, at, uh, one of the yacht clubs in San Diego. Um, and she said, well, I do remember a guy that when I lived in Sausalito, he would say, meet me at the dock. And he would give me sailing lessons, but you know, nothing more, Robin. And I was like, well, mom, something else happened because here I am. Um, so she didn't really remember him, but she remembered the guy who gave him sailing lessons. And that was Jack. Now that there's kind of an interesting thing that happens really right at the end of your book. And I, I, Hope it's okay to say it, but someone else yes. approaches you, uh, messages you, emails you, or something, and says, "I think so and so is your dad." So there's another variable entering in, and you're like, "No, no, I've already solved this problem." But how uncanny that kind of another potential father to be for you uh, entered into the picture. So how was that? Was that awkward, weird? Because you already have your, your answers. It's already solved. And uh, I, I'm sure that didn't create uh, any second guessing because DNA doesn't lie. But what was your experience with that? Well, I laughed because all, because what it is, is that the person who reached out to me was, they had found my birth certificate um, with that guy named Robert's name on my birth certificate. So if you just from the birth certificate, you know, he would have been my half brother. So, um, so I just, I just had the laugh of, of that. Um, I think sometimes when, you know, my mother always say, you know, I didn't want to talk about this to shelter you. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's true. I think it was her shame, but to me, that's part of the stuff that I, um, I hate lies and honesty is so important to me. And after my, you know, my stepfather, um, adopted me, so he's on my birth certificate, but after he dies, I'm actually, I already talked to my cousin to help me, um, 
change my birth certificate to put Jack's on my birth certificate. Um, because this is what happens when, when, you know, there are lives on birth certificates. But, um, I, I just, I just thought it was, it was more comical that, um, it is so hard. And I write about it in this, in this book, uh, cause my mom is not computer savvy. She's not on the internet, all this kind of stuff. And so, um, when I, I told her as well about, um, the person reaching out to me, um, that was Robert's son. And, uh, and she's like this internet thing. And I'm like, mom, really hard to have secrets when there's DNA and the internet. <laughs> so, um, so I just think it's, you know, I just think it's important for, you know, for us to have a true history, because I think when you listen to all these stories of, you know, yourself, myself, all these people, when we find out the things about our past, um, I think just things would have been easier if people would have just told, told the truth. Yeah, definitely would have been a lot easier. And I guess, you know, one of the things you bring out in your book, Finding My Way, a memoir of family identity and political ambition is you talk about the process of you adopting. Uh, So you ended up adopting two children from a foreign country, uh, a country that I don't want to try to pronounce for fear of mispronouncing it. (laughs) So, but... These two children that you adopt, they're kind of in that same situation now where, you know, they're going to have questions about their family identity. Who is my mother? Who is my father? And things like that. So uh, is that something that you've already had to kind of broach the topic with them? Or is that something that you'll have to address later in the future with them? How how do you anticipate that? Well, you know... We adopted from Kazakhstan. That's how you pronounce it. It's a country in Central Asia. Um, and they uh, it's a former Soviet bloc country. So they have blind adoptions, meaning that you don't know anything about the parents. But because at the time we adopted, um, I didn't know who my dad was. So um, another family that adopted at the same time, we hired a private detective. Um, and I did it. we did it each time for each kid. And so, um, so my kids have always known they're adopted. Plus they don't look like my, my husband and I, um, you know, we're Caucasian, they're, they're central Asian. Um, uh, and so we've been really honest about it from the very beginning. So we were able to find stuff out about our, um, for our older son about his, um, his mother, his biological father, he has half siblings, um, so we've already always talked about it. I have photos. He, um, you know, we've talked about it. And even when he was, when he was younger, I would come up every now and then it was kind of like a bond we had, he, you know, we'd get in the car before soccer practice and he would sit, you know, he's like eight or nine. He'd say, so mom, you don't know your biological father, right? And I'd say, yeah, that's right. And he goes, just like me, right? I'm like, yeah, just like you. And then I would be done. Uh, my older son has not had as much interest, but he may later on in life. So we've been really just kind of honest and open about it. Um, we were not able to find as much information about um, for our younger son, unfortunately. And um, and uh, when I found my biological father, my younger son asked me, so do you think I'll be able to find my biological mother like you did with consumer DNA. And I just said to him, I said, you know, maybe I said, but, you know, it's kind of an obsession in the United States, but I don't think, you know, an expensive test that's a hundred bucks 
um, in a country like Kazakhstan that is not um, not that wealthy. Um, they're probably not doing that now, but who knows? I said, I, I never knew that smartphones were going to exist when I was your age. So maybe 50 years from now, everybody will be doing DNA testing. So maybe, but so just, I just try to be honest with them that, um, um, you know, we've tried to, there's the created family of the family that you, uh, that raise you, provide love and, and uh, stability. And, um, and because I was raised with so many lies and so much shame that I've just tried to celebrate um, their heritage and who they are and that I love them so much. Um, and it doesn't matter that they didn't come out of my body, that they're, they're my boys and they're always going to be. With your whole memoir now published, Sharing Your Story and Finding My Way, a memoir of family, identity, and political ambition, you've told your life story, and people are getting to know it. Now, you found out Jack is your father. He's deceased, died a year before. Uh, You found that out. If there's something you would have wanted to share with him, what would that have been? Well, he was a big sailor. And I was conceived on a sailboat. And in my book, I actually have a poem that I imagine of being on a sailboat with him. So um, I think I would have loved to have had the opportunity to be on a sailboat with him. I mean, there's so much I would have loved. It's so hard. But if I could just make my magic wand and have, you know, two hours with him, I would just love to be on a boat with him. That's beautiful. So, and this is your story, and you've shared it in Finding My Way, a memoir of family, identity, and political ambition. If people want to learn more about you and the work that you do and how they can get a copy of the book, where would you send them? I have a website. It's robinfshepperauthor.com. Um, it's R-O-B-I-N-F as in Frank, then S-C-H-E-P-P-E-R, author.com. And then, um, you know, plugging my name and finding my way, you can find my book on Amazon, on bookshop.org, like all the platforms. And there's an audio book as well. So um, some the, the buying options are on my website, um, but all the typical platforms, you can find it as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure you could go over to Barnes & Noble as well. Or uh, as you mentioned, the audio book, uh, that's how I listened to your story uh, in order to prepare for this interview today. So uh, I'm so th- grateful uh, that you joined me today, Robin, uh, to share your story about how you found your way and how you found your father uh, for our DNA Discoveries audience. So thanks so much for being with me. Well, thanks, Edward. This is great. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. What a wonderful conversation we had with Robin. And maybe as you listen to the podcast, you notice that maybe your attention wasn't there all the time and you had to regroup. You lost focus. And maybe if you go and order Robin's book and you sit down and read Robin's book, you're going to want to stay focused as you read that memoir. And there's a product out there, Magic Mind. Magic Mind will help you stay focused and will give you the energy to keep turning the pages of Robin's memoir. You can get Magic Mind at magicmind.com slash DNA Disco and use the code DNA Disco 20 to save at checkout. Magic Mind, it's a solution to help you stay focused and easy to take alongside your coffee. It's all natural and many benefits for those who use it. 
I'd also like to thank everyone who listens and rates and reviews this podcast. Please share this podcast with anyone you think that might be interested. If you have a story to share, always you can reach me at dnadiscoveriespodcast at gmail.com or dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm and the contact page there. I always enjoy these conversations and sharing these stories, and I hope that you'll join me again next time as we continue to share stories of DNA discoveries, stories of finding family. Mm-hmm.